Welcome to Automated Mobility, the people behind the wheel. In this podcast series, we get to know the experts working in the field of automated mobility. What drives them and how do they think their work contributes to a better mobility system? I am your host, Henriette Cornet, and I am the coordinator of SHOW, a European project testing automated vehicles in real life. SHOW is led by UITP, the International Association of Public Transport. Together with 70 other partners, we investigate a future where mobility is shared, connected and automated. Hello, Lizalot. Hello, Avi. Nice to have you with me today for this episode at the VUB, uh, the Vrije Universiteit Brussels. I hope I say it correctly. So, sounds perfect. Yes. <laughs> yeah, please say it in Dutch for me, Lizalot. <laughs> Vrije Universiteit Brussel. Thank uh-huh. you. And so we will call it VUB from now on. I hope you agree with that. Perfect. <laughs> so welcome on board. I will present uh, very briefly both of you. And I will uh, love to hear more about what you are doing in general, like your, your, your background maybe to start with, and we will dig into more detail later. So starting with you, uh, Lizalot, Professor Lizalot van Averbeke. I also hope I say it right. Uh, you are Associate Professor at uh, VUB. And uh, Evie, as you are Assistant Professor, so Evie Rombot, Rombot, yeah. Assistant Professor, and you are a member of the, uh, both of you, you are working at the Department of Business Technology and Operations, called BUTO, and the Research Center Mobility, Logistics, and Automotive Technology, called MOBI. And we will come back about uh, Mobi a bit later and what you are doing. So maybe just to start so that the audience get to know you, tell us a bit about your, your background and uh, what you are doing at, uh, at, at VUB. Thank you, Hori. It's uh, very nice to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Um, the background, well, um, I studied here at Vrije Universiteit Brussel, uh, economics. Um, complemented that with a uh, degree in business informatics. And then um, I stuck around for a PhD in uh, operations research. So I was studying uh, location analysis from a quite quantitative uh, point of view. And that, of course, uh, when you talk about location, you talk also about movement of people, you talk about mobility. And so gradually I rolled into mobility research, uh, which I'm doing now already for quite some years. Um, and I'm leading the lab here on autonomous and electric vehicles, mm-hmm. uh, where we are working on the technology side of uh automotive techno- automotive um, yeah applications mm-hmm. great cool okay good uh, good start <laughs> for the episode hey Henriette. Uh, yeah it's great to be in the podcast um, so I, I think I have a very similar story to Lisa lot um, I think it's very difficult to leave the VUB in a way um, because <laughs> I studied here as well um, I studied mathematics actually and so my background is quite fundamental but then I was really I really felt like I was missing the applications Um, And that's how I ended up at the economics department. And essentially my PhD was um, initially, I had a PhD in uh, HR analytics. Um, So I was really into uh, human resources and quantitative modeling of Mm -hmm. uh, human resources structures. 
And then, um, yeah, I had a really nice talk with Lieselot um, about uh, research in um, autonomous mobility. And she offered me the position of a postdoctoral researcher. So after my PhD was finished. And that's how I basically enrolled into um, yeah, a research on mobility. And now I'm uh, really focusing on the, the quantitative methods uh, within autonomous mobility. And also from the, the user perspective, really, it's the statistical modeling of, uh, yeah, of this. Mm -hmm. Great, I see. Thanks, thanks a lot. Maybe before uh, before we dig in the topic of the like in the topic in this knowing more what the research institute is doing and what's your ro the role of UB uh, in the project, uh, can we? Can you tell us a bit, are you familiar with the history of VUB actually? Because that's for the people um, that are listening to this podcast. Um, so oh, I will tell you where I come from with this. So when I read uh, the, the name of the university, for me, I translate it with the Free University of Brussels. And I noticed that actually there is a French university, which called called Université Libre, Université Libre de Bruxelles, and I got absolutely confused. And I think for the audience, it would be nice to, to tell a bit uh, what happened, so to say, briefly, and why we have these two universities, and maybe how you, if you are still working together, and so on. All right, yeah, very good question, actually. Um, also a bit a sensitive question uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> because well we indeed emphasize that we are the Vrije Universiteit Brussel and we cannot communicate as the Free University of Brussels formally. Uh, why is that? Well then you have to know a little bit the history of Belgium. Um, uh, until, well, I would say uh, a certain uh, point in time, uh, French was a, a ruling language um, in the whole of Belgium. But there was, of course, also a, a Flemish port. And uh, Flemish was, in terms of education, for example, not recognized until, well, let's say the 70s, 60s, 70s. And then there was what we call a kind of a revolution uh, also at the universities. Uh, and, and at that moment in time, uh, our mother institute, the uh, Université Libre de Bruxelles, yeah, um, they also recognized that. And so the Vrije Universiteit Brussel, the Flemish uh, uh, Institute was formed. So formally, we are part of the Flemish community. Um, and so the ULP, the French University, is part of the uh, Walloon uh, community. Yeah? Mm -hmm. um, but of course, we are located uh, right next to each other. Um, we have very good relationships uh, with the Université Libre de Bruxelles, uh, or collaborating in terms of research, in terms of advancing um, knowledge to help Brussels as a region forward. Um, and I think that was uh, quite well illustrated during the anniversary that was celebrated a few years ago, the 50 years anniversary of the um, university, where we had um, the two rectors of the VUB presenting together and they ended up their presentation with a tango together. Mm -hmm. It takes two to tango and so that perfectly illustrates how oh, nice. we are working very well together in a, in a country where, um, well, in terms of languages, we have a huge diversity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Thanks for illustrating this. And um, w what is meant by free, actually? What is uh, behind this free university? Yeah. The free university um, indicates that we stand for a independent way of thinking. So we have the different... Um, well, I would say dogmas uh, that uh, dominate, uh, for example, in Belgium, we, had, we have a huge 
um, question, um, well, I would say history, uh, where KU Leuven is then uh, the university that relates to that. Uh, but there is also the uh, humanist uh, point of view in terms of, well, um, point of view of on life and uh, VUB really stands for that. Independent thinking, no dogmas that control our research or results. Um, so we really stand behind uh, yeah, the uh, concept that Poincaré nicely um, formulated that uh, we cannot subject ourselves to any dogmas, mm -hmm. any uh, kind of constraints on thinking. Um, and so we stand for a very humanist, free thinking university. Nice. Okay, nice. <laughs> and um, is it necessary to speak Dutch to study here and to work at the VUB? That is not necessary at all. Uh, for example, in our team, uh, we are very international. Um, we have people coming from Morocco, people coming from China, um, and I could enumerate, I could not enumerate all the nationalities in the whole of the Mobi research group because we are so many. So um, English is the way we interact. Working language, yeah. okay. I and see. also for students, we have Dutch programs, of course, uh, but we also have English programs and uh, quite a lot of them. So okay. also there we are quite internationally or oriented. Nice. Okay. Um, let's move to the to the research center Mobi, which stand again. So I'm saying the name again. It's uh, for mobility, logistic, and automotive technology. When I type it, uh, so I, I Google it. I checked a bit, and there was this nice sentence: transitioning towards sustainable urban mobility and logistics. So it's very promising, and I would say very aligned with uh, the vision we have at UITB or in the, in the different projects that we are doing. So can you maybe say a few few words about some topics? It does, doesn't need to be super exhaustive, but just that the audience get to know a bit like uh, what the research center is about. Well, and since we were talking history, I suggest we continue on that same line. Um, the research center started uh, with Professor Maghetto studying um, well, electric vehicles and, and batteries for electric vehicles. Um, people having been in Brussels in the 70s uh, of last century, they might know the blue small electric vehicles that were driving from campus to the center of the town. Uh, so we were pioneers in terms of uh, electric mobility um, and everything that has to do with that. And so based on that, well, there was first technology. So in our research group, we have um, our department and faculty of the engineers. Uh, but of course, next to that, it's not only about technology. It's also about people, about society, mm -hmm. about other aspects. And then um, that was complemented by the work that we do at the faculty of social sciences and the Solvay Business School. So we are an interdisciplinary research group that focuses on um, solutions for mobility, um, electric solutions contributing to sustainable mobility, um, and so also in terms of the new technologies, mm -hmm. autonomous uh, mobility. I see. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for, for this uh, great introduction. I think we have set the scene quite well. So uh, I suggest we move on with the show project and the um, so, so how VUB is, uh, is involved in the show project, you have 
big responsibilities, uh, ones that will come. I mean, I would say like a, a big one that will come. And that's uh, kind of the topic of this episode today, I guess. It's all about, around impact assessment. Can you uh, tell us more? And I'm asking you, Evie, uh, can you tell us more about what, uh, what's your role in the project, like from a VUB perspective and maybe also your personal role um, okay. in the different work packages and so on? Okay, yeah, uh, certainly, Henriette. Um, so, yeah, indeed, we have a very big role um, in the project because we are focusing on the impact of um, autonomous mobility and uh, basically the solutions that are being developed or the solutions that are being tested and piloted in the different cities. And so, essentially, I think that's one of the main outcomes of the project is we want to know what is the impact of automation. Mm -hmm. And so, we have a, we feel the responsibility. It's heavy on our shoulders. Um, so, we've... Um, we we lead the work package, so that means that there are several components uh, that we are um, currently also overseeing. There's um, in terms of safety, in terms of traffic efficiency, uh, what is the impact on environment, what is the impact on energy, um, what is the impact on the user. So it's really very holistic. Mm -hmm. um, and so what we are uh, trying to do is bring all these components together in a holistic impact assessment framework. So obviously there will be in-depth analyses on all these different components, but we are developing a framework which uh, we called the M3ICA, mm -hmm. and it stands for multi-impact, multi-criteria, and multi-actor. Okay, okay. Let's uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's slow down. Okay. I think that was a, a lot of information for, for everybody. Multi-impact. So what I hear... So tell us maybe we, we go step by step. Okay, so there is perfect. impact, criteria and actor. So yes. let's start maybe, I don't see really the difference between impact and criteria. So Okay, well, um, so the impact is essentially about the, about the different orders of impact that we can think about. So uh, maybe you uh, are familiar with the ripple effect by Milakis. Uh, he has essentially defined the impact of automation to um, happen in different ripples. So you have a first direct impact on um, society, on, on the individual, maybe even vehicle level. Uh, but then you can look also at the bigger impact on society as a whole. And so what we want to do is situate also these different types of impacts within these different ripples. Mm, okay. so, so is it like micro, like more exactly. at the individual level, for yeah. example, and you are zooming out yes. to look at the big picture and this multi-impact refer to this kind yes, of level yes, of... Uh, exactly. Okay, so we really want to situate the different types of impacts within within these ripples. Mm -hmm. um, Secondly, we want to look at different criteria. So as I mentioned um, earlier, so there's, for example, the safety aspects, there's a traffic efficiency impact, and each of these impacts are um, essentially, um, can be summarized with different KPIs. Mm -hmm. um, so, KPIs. So key performance indicators, mm -hmm. um, and those will be measured at the pilot sites. So for example, we want, if we want to know how efficient the autonomous uh, vehicle is performing, we would want to know what the delay is in traffic and, and how often is this vehicle delayed in the pilot site. Mm -hmm. um, so that could be 
one KPI that we are measuring at the pilot site or for safety, we want to know how many accidents are happening, hopefully none, no, or, exactly. or, or just even conflicts, uh, yeah. just conflicts that happen with different vehicles. And so what we'll be doing is measuring all these different KPIs at the pilot sites. Um, and then um, we bring them all together within the different criteria. So safety okay. will be measured with different key performance indicators, yeah. yes. and those will be brought together in the criteria of safety. Mm -hmm. I will come back on the on the criteria. I think that's very central when we are talking about mm -hmm. impact assessment. But And the last one uh, for this uh, M3 M3ICA, um, it's multi-actor. Yes. So there, please, can, can you elaborate? Yes, so there we bring in the perspective of, of the different stakeholders because we can't look at mobility without bringing in the, all the stakeholders that are involved. Um, so there's obviously the user um, who will play a very important part, but then we look at all these different stakeholders in mobility, which are the public transport operators, the local authorities, the, mobili um, the mobility service providers, the manufacturers. So each of these stakeholders has a different um, yeah, view on what mobility should be or where mobility should evolve to in their view in the future. And they have different stakes in it. So, mm -hmm. um, and that's really also what we want to um, include in the M3 ICA model is to see, well, actually do their um, opinions or what they value, does it match with what can be expected in the future? Mm -hmm. I see, wow. So it seems like a, a great uh, ambition. Um, Yes, please. Maybe I'll, I'll just to add to this uh, that we are uh, building on the work of uh, our colleague, Kati Magaris, who has been doing a lot about involving these actors into a multi-criteria analysis. And so she has developed the MAMCA uh, approach mm -hmm. where you have indeed the multi-criteria analysis with stakeholders. And so with this M3 ICA, um, yeah, we, we have designed this uh, together with her. So we are taking this one step further. Ah, okay. Yeah? I wanted to ask where it comes from like it's it's okay. developed by Perfect. your institute right yes yeah. uh, okay. is the founder of that okay, uh, okay. Momka methodology okay yeah, good totally. very good to know yeah, yeah because that's uh, I, i'm familiar with impact assessment because it was part it's a big part of my phd thesis itself and i had the incredible challenge of reviewing the different uh, because there are so many methods and I think for the audience it may not be clear why do you need a new one? Why is there this need of having a new method? And um, maybe one question I would like to dig into more detail regarding the criteria, regarding the, uh, the KPI. How do you select the indicators? Because what I did, like, yeah, in my, I mean, in my PhD thesis, I wanted to make something quick for decision-making support. And my God, it, I spent so much time on how many how many criterias, how many indicators are enough, so to say, so that you can build a decision based on the criteria. And if you, it's never ending, right? You could assess everything forever and you need to make decisions. So in, in this case and in the show project, how many do you have and how have you selected them? How, like, where, where to stop, so to say? Well, yeah, well, Henriette, <laughs> it's a really difficult question, actually. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, seriously, it, it was a, a, a joint effort. It, it has been a humongous effort. Um, and I would say the KPI list is never final. And mm -hmm. um, it's constantly developing and, and we're adding new KPIs, taking KPIs off and... 
Well, so as I mentioned, we are, are leading the work package, but that means that there are also very important activities within this work package uh, where, uh, for example, there are partners that are specialized in road safety specifically. Uh, so the, our partner NTUA, uh, the, the Technical University of Athens, they are specialized in road safety in specific. And so they really know which KPIs are necessary. Um, well, they have done extensive research um, on this topic alone. So um, they were very important parts of the different rounds of iterations. So in essence, they made a first selection of which KPIs are very necessary for them to be able to perform the in-depth analysis. Mm -hmm. And so we have basically specialists on all these different criteria. Mm -hmm. And then there were multiple iterations as well with the demonstration sites because there's a wish list, but that doesn't mean you can necessarily also gather these KPIs um, if, if it is even possible or feasible to gather them. And um, fortunately also we have the demonstration um, sites that, um, well, the results from demonstration sites will be complemented with the simulations. Um, so there will be KPIs that will also be gathered at the, through simulations mm -hmm. that cannot be measured. Um, so in that sense, we need to really make, a, a, it's an exercise where we see what do we want, what is feasible, and do we indeed have enough to then come up with the answer to our research question and hypothesis. Okay. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's clearer. I, I think I hope the audience get a, a bit a clearer picture. But uh, you mentioned um, the simulation. I would like to come back to that uh, just in a bit. But also coming back again to these indicators, um, you mentioned at the very beginning few of them. And what I what I understand is there is some data that you will collect from people, like more like the subjective data, and there is the observed data. Uh, maybe also say a word about this different type of data that, uh, that, mm -hmm. uh, that you can gather. Yeah. And after we can switch a bit to the simulation and how simulation plays a role, because we had in a previous episode, episode seven, um, um, Joachim from VIF talking to us about simulation work and so on. Maybe we can create a nice link, but starting first with, um, with this, the type of mm -hmm. data that you can collect for which uh, KPI? Yeah. Well, so there will be observations. Uh, so uh, it's essentially data from the vehicle itself. Um, for example, can you? Well, it can be, um, for example, the number of hard brakes in a shuttle. Um, it will be very interesting to know how how often this happens and, and also to see how uncomfortable it might be for, for people. Um, at the same time, we also have more subjective uh, data. Well, essentially, people that will fill out a survey on site. Uh, so user acceptance uh, surveys that have been created. Mm -hmm. um, so they will really um, evaluate how import or how they um, value the ride with the vehicle, um, whether they thought it was safe uh, to go into the vehicle. And then um, we also have uh, data that um, will then be um, post-processed um, in combination with uh, of the demo sites and the simulations, so essentially data that will be brought together um, afterwards. Um, 
No, I think that gives a, a very good overview of how we collect the data on the KPIs. Um, of course, there's a level above that, and that's um, those criteria in a multi-criteria analysis, you weigh them. Yeah. Yeah? And for that, we have the uh, workshops with the demo site leaders uh, that we will be starting um, well in autumn uh, of 2022, where we uh, will really discuss with all the stakeholders uh, on the site. So we will travel uh, to all the demo sites and there we will uh, interview them, ask them questions about how important dating those different concepts, those different criteria are for them. Uh, mm -hmm. And I then um, that is waiting information. So in that sense, we also take the actors on board and we really have, again, that's qualitative data um, that we use in combination then with the objectively measured the quantitative uh, mm -hmm. approach. Uh, yep. And all of that together in the mix will give um, an overall evaluation. Evaluation, yeah, for the for the project, I think it's essential. I think for the commission, the European Commission that is funding us, they really want to know uh, how it works. But after for the next project and knowing like uh, what's the real benefit of this of this technology. So what I understood is really for the from an environmental perspective, from a societal perspective, and also I guess also individuals, so not only society as a whole, but really as a, as an individual. And of course, you have also the economic part, correct? Mm -hmm. Indeed, and that complements and also the yep. work packages that work on business models, for example. Yep. Yep. Um, so also in that sense, we are complementary, of course, with the other work packages. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, coming back to the, um, to the simulation, how simulation plays a role. And I think it's important, and Joachim told us a lot about it in this episode, so the audience uh, now can, can relate, uh, I believe. But um, in case some haven't listened to the past episodes, let's repeat it. The way I see the simulation work is really to upscale um, the impact assessment because in the show project we have fleets. Of course, we have many vehicles and we will collect many a lot of data and we hope to have really a lot of users and so on. But it still has its limitation because we cannot really see how um, like we will run the EVs in a neighborhood, but how would how could it affect the city? For example, this type of fleets will be uh, in the entire city. So here I understood that's where simulation plays a role. Uh, can you add on that, like how you, how you see this benefit of using simulation for, for impact assessment? Indeed, the challenge is that when you have um, a pilot that works with, well, maybe two or three shuttles and you have them run a certain trajectory, huh? uh, but you want to assess traffic efficiency, for example, for a whole city, huh? or you want to do that even at the street level. Right now we have autonomous shuttles interacting also a lot with, well, the normal cars as we still know them today. If you want to drive conclusions about, for example, what would it mean if we go really into the idea of shared autonomous vehicles, yeah, for that kind of scenarios that we will assess, yeah, then we need the simulations. Mm -hmm. yeah, and we need the results from the real pilots in terms of what does it do already at the moment on the field in combination with what do we know from literature, what do we know from theory, um, in terms of queuing theory, for example, we integrate that in the simulation and then um, we really 
um, well, we we try to uh, mimic, extrapolate, extrapolate a whole transport system that is totally based on this kind of of uh, solutions, yeah? shared mm-hmm. autonomous vehicles, for example. So simulations are crucial to have a good evaluation method in terms of the impact assessment. Yeah. And I guess you will work with scenario. I don't know if it's too much for the audience, but like there is also kind of um, in this extrapolation a way I, I would even say foresee the future. Like you are trying to, to imagine like if you are saying, okay, let's imagine we have thousands of AVs all around. You can also imagine um, like different type of scenarios and you can, can play around, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a, a really crucial point as well with uh, simulations that you can vary these different parameters and also do some sensitivity analysis in the end and see like what would change if we ch- if we change mm-hmm. certain parameters. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I can I can really see how this will uh, will help us answer the question if we if we want this actually this technology in our lives and if we want it in our mobility life. So this will definitely help. And it also relates, of course, to the different scenarios that were put out uh, to start with uh, in show, where we have the scenarios for well, the personal mobility and then also looking at um, yeah, maybe integration with uh, logistics. So these kinds of solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, and each demo site has a certain qualification in terms of the scenarios that we then will analyze. So in that sense, that really fits with uh, also the, the very initial setup mm-hmm. of the project. Uh, yeah. Now looking forward to have all these results. I think we are all waiting for, for these results. So um, you published recently for the Commission a report on the on the impact assessment framework, um, which I would uh, put uh, I would put the link in the description of the episode. I think if people want to dig into more details, they should read it and and check it. In this report, you are uh, mentioning first results of a, of a uh, first pilot workshop that you conducted in in Linköping, uh, in Sweden. Uh, can you tell us uh, briefly what what you learned? What was the learning of this uh, of this pilot? The learning of that uh, pilot was that well, we have collected quite a lot of information there. Um, I must say that the workshop was really nice. Uh, very committed people and, and they have a really good vision about where they are going. Um, yeah, Anna, all credits to Anna for organizing it and also for the engagement that she uh, creates uh, yeah. with the stakeholders. So Anna Anand yeah. from uh, VTI, Indeed. if you are listening to us. <laughs> <laughs> all credits, Anna. Um, and yeah, also thank you for organizing that workshop on site. That was the first, well, also pilot um, yeah, impact assessment workshop that we did there. And of course, we learned in terms of um, how to set up the workshop and uh, how detailed we should go with the stakeholders. Um, that was one of the learnings, I think, of, of the very practical session. Uh, on the other side, well, we see a lot of enthusiasm there. And that also shows in the KPIs then that we took into account and, and the initial calculations that we did in terms of the overall impact assessment. So in that sense, um, I, I think that was yeah, a, a very good way. And indeed, um, if pilot site leaders are listening, please have a look at that uh, report to see what we will be doing also on your site um, and to what kind of very interesting information this can also lead for the local community where the pilot is running um, and things that, that might be uh, yeah, used as takeaways uh, also for the local demonstrations. Yeah, I like this idea. I think we, we can emphasize this, this 
the aspect of so communication afterwards. Because thanks to this impact analysis, impact assessment, we can later also better communicate communicate to the local stakeholders, to the decision makers, even to the to the public, saying, look, we can save so much energy, or you can go faster, or you can have more comfort and so on. So like this communication aspect that, that could be emphasized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what was really interesting for, for me as well is we've organized these types of workshops also in a former project in the Drive to the Future project. And I find it so interesting to see the enthusiasm of the stakeholders also afterwards, because they really go into these in-depth discussions with each other and so it's really very interesting for them as well to just participate mm-hmm. because then they hear the perspectives of other people and they they have discussions still afterwards about oh really you thought this and you know so that that's really fun to see mm-hmm. um, so I think for the stakeholders as well um, it's it's a very fun workshop yeah and there is kind of an educational purpose I can see they can see how what they are doing goes in the bigger picture and I think that's also very essential that you are doing this. It's it's a great uh, contribution to the project. Okay, I hope that the um, audience has a better understanding of what VUB is doing in the project. And uh, as I mentioned, I will put some references in the description of the episodes and also um, they can contact you uh, if they want to to know more about your activities and uh, what you are doing in the project and so on. And uh, still there will be this demonstration on the different sites. So we are in uh, August 2022. So if you are Somehow, in the next month, uh, check the website where the demonstration will take place and uh, try the vehicles. I'm not saying this enough. I'm repeating this uh, all the time. But um, before we conclude, I would like to come back. You know, the name of the podcast is actually the people behind the wheel. So who are the experts driving the change uh, through automated vehicles and automated mobility? So I I really like to ask uh, the the person I interview um, about their motivation what motivates both of you? Uh, what what are your motivation for working in this field? And how did you end up here? So not only because you are attached to VUB, I guess. I mean, you would have cho- you could have chosen a lot of different uh, uh, directions. So why did you did you choose this uh, this aspect of uh, so Lizlot? I know you did a lot with electric vehicles and uh, automated vehicles. And Avi, um, you come you come from this uh, mathematics and economic background. So yeah. Tell us uh, maybe more. Maybe Evie, you can you can start telling us mm-hmm. how did you end up there, and yeah, what's what's really appealing for you in this uh, working in this field? Yeah, I think for me it's really about the societal relevance uh, more than anything. Um, I guess that's why I wasn't really happy doing fundamental research because I really felt like I want to deliver, well, not that fundamental research is very important, don't get me wrong, uh, but essentially I wanted to see the contribution in my own lifetime, Mm -hmm. let's say, to really see what are the immediate results of of what I am researching and and how can I um, bring relevance to society in in that way. And for me, autonomous mobility um, has a lot to do with sustainability and I really look at it from a shared perspective. Um, So I think we really need to evolve to a future where we share vehicles and we don't just drive our own individual vehicle everywhere and um, it's just, it concerns me in the sense that, you know, I recently um, gave birth to a son and I really wonder what is, how is his future, mm-hmm. what is his future going to look like and, and what kind of a society is he going to live in? And so in that sense, I think it, it becomes very personal um, just to 
to know that he will be living in a future where sustainability is valued and, and we are really moving into a direction where we uh, give back to the earth and not only take. Wow. <laughs> It's very nice. No, I love it. I mean, that's, yeah, I can feel really the, the, the motivation behind and yeah, I completely uh, follow you on this. What about you, Elizabeth? What is your motivation for this field and how did you end up doing this which decisions did you take in your in your in your career that you were that led you to this to this point i've always had uh, a huge interest in technology uh, in general and um, how technology drives uh, progress how how do we progress as humanity um, for the better as avi says for um, a, a better world um, yeah giving back to the earth how how can we use technology to accomplish that and how does technology relate to sustainability mm -hmm. um, that is a sometimes i think um, a dilemma in terms of well we have new technologies and it shouldn't be technology for technology but it mm -hmm. can really help us towards a better world. Uh, on the other side, it helps us to do things in a more efficient manner, um, in also in, a, in a, a quicker manner. And is that always so good? So in that sense, that, that is, I think, the huge um, driver for me. Let's study how technology helps us uh, to make mobility better. Mm -hmm. um, And for me, it has been an evolution in terms of uh, also yeah, the, the studies and, and the career I followed. Um, there is this uh, singer, uh, and, and it used to be a band, I don't know if you know it, Mobi um, or Mobi um, or Mobi. Yeah, you could relate a little bit. It's, it was a grunge singer in the 90s, and then he evolved into electronics music. Uh -huh. Yeah, I, rec I can recall. <laughs> you recall him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And um, he With has because a of black glasses. Yeah. Yeah, he has big um, glasses, black glasses, and he also evolved from. Um, well, he evolved into complete, um, completely eaten vegan, for example. Uh, so he evolved from grunge into electronics. He made a song, Mobility, and I can really relate to the fact that well, we we are learning more and we are also evolving towards um, those newer insights and then adopting our way of of living to that. So I I really like. Yeah, that song and also that that idea of uh, of, of evolution um, for me mobility it needs to be a mix it's a mix of well it's a mix of vehicles of types of vehicles we discussed earlier already that we are studying with our electric vehicle team uh, not only uh, cars but we are also looking into electric bicycles for example um, and of course there are other modi that you can use and uh, for me the mix is really important and if I relate that to my personal life everybody goes to different life stages, Evie just mentioned uh, being in the early motherhood um, I think she can also relate to the fact that well it, it It is nice to walk, it is nice to bike, but sometimes, you know, with a tired uh, baby on board, um, <laughs> that is not always that easy. And, and sometimes you need a car um, if you want to uh, make um, trips that are uh, yeah, quite long or to inaccessible places. We can then say, yeah, let's make all places very accessible. Or we could say, let's use cars and vehicles in general in a very intelligent manner. Mm -hmm. And for me, that is what mobility is about tailored for everybody's needs, 
but also looking at the greater good. Uh, yep. uh, so not only the individual comfort, but also at the level of society, what does it bring? In that sense, making a better world for us all. That's a very beautiful words, I would say, to also to conclude this episode. Um, yeah, I can I can fully relate. And when you when you mention the technology, I can really see um, that's something that I like to emphasize. Doing this podcast, working on this field is we are not doing um, we are not pushing for automated vehicles. We really want to understand how, understand how they how they can contribute to our to our lives and so on and having the bigger question in mind, how much technology do we want in our lives? So I think we are, the three of us at least, very much aligned on that to, to always better understand what are the impacts, what does it mean, and how we will move uh, in a more sustainable way in the, in the future. Is there anything else uh, you would like to share with the audience? A publication that you have maybe uh, released uh, recently, a report, a conference, something you would, like a, a, another podcast, whatever. Like, is there something? And I would be very glad to put it in the in the reference of this episode. Well, I, th I think we can um, mention quite a few publications, but I suggest you put a link to our website mm -hmm. where people can find the publications, conference proceedings. Um, yeah, and also we have a, a podcast episode uh, that, that uh, will be on there. So in that sense, uh, a link to our website would be great. And if we want to meet in person, um, a lot of us, uh, of the team here, will be at the TRA conference in November 2022. Uh, Uh, so let's meet her in person and uh, further discuss. Great, yeah, let's do this, definitely. Maybe anything to add from yeah, the side? Yeah, maybe I also want to mention if there are any Dutch speakers. We also have uh, contributed to a book, um, Autonome Motorvoertuigen, uh, so that uh, will also be interesting to read about the societal impact of autonomous vehicles. And we also have a Dutch podcast um, on our findings um, at the, um, well, basically the findings from our shuttle that was running at the university campus in Jette. So they can also consult this. Um, it should be on the website of the Wetenschapsfestival. So um, Dutch speakers, I'll just go have a look. <laughs> Great, yeah, I will put I will put the link, and I will also put the link of the song from Moby. I think that that's very nice to have it uh, here in this episode. So thank you very much, both of you. Thank you for answering all these questions. I wish you good luck with your work in show. Uh, I know it's a big uh, amount of work in front of you. Very, very important, very, a big responsibility. Uh, but um, I'm looking forward for, for the future collaboration among us. Thank you very much, Henriette. Thank you for having us. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Automating Mobility, the people behind the wheel. This podcast would not have been possible without the support from the Horizon 2020 program by the European Commission under the grant agreement number 875530. Check out the links for the show project and other references in the description of the episode and subscribe to our newsletter to stay tuned. Don't hesitate to share this episode or give us feedback to it. My name is Henriette Cornet from UITP and I hope to see you at our next episode.